Christmas, a wonderful time of year, a celebration of traditions for many of us. But are we considering the environment, considering the waste that we produce? Is it possible to celebrate Christmas as a as a green holiday? Certainly, there's a lot of greenery around us. Uh, Dr. Calvin Lacan, Faculty of Environmental Studies of York University, co-investigator of the Waste Wiki Project, joins us on the line. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's easy to imagine how major holidays, especially holidays that involve wrapping lots of presents, would be bad for the environment. Can you spell that out for us? Sure. So all the things that make Christmas so beautiful, so the wrapping paper, the tinsel, the garland, the glitter, and the tape that holds everything together. So as noted, it's very pretty and nice to look at, but unfortunately it's terrible for the environment, and most of that cannot be recycled. When I was approaching Christmas and I was thinking how can I um, avoid waste I mean it was actually a, a thought that came to my mind was you know very hard to think of alternatives to wrapping up presents the excitement associated with that but also the Christmas tree itself where the presents are sitting under being plastic uh, if I was in another country I might automatically go for a natural tree option but it's uh, it's hard to get them at an affordable price here and often these plastic trees end up in waste don't they Uh, Yes, and it's often made of a type of plastic that isn't readily recyclable. And due to the size of the tree itself, it often can't even go through a sortation facility. So there's a physical barrier to recycling as well as a a material-based barrier. If you can't find a a natural tree, though, or if it's too expensive in the country where one happens to be based, what's the alternative? Um, Maybe trees made out of better materials? Well, to be honest, I don't necessarily think a plastic tree is terribly detrimental to the environment because for the most part, people reuse those over multiple years. So when we look at the life cycle impact over the life of a product, a plastic tree can be used maybe five to seven years, uh, assuming that it doesn't get damaged uh, or you don't get sick of the way it looks. So that would actually negate the environmental impact. And arguably, that's probably environmentally preferable to a a live tree uh, once we factor in the life cycle of those two products. That's an interesting comparison. Um, So we're getting schooled on that already. What about the (laughs) other areas like the decorations, uh, the, the tinsel that gets everywhere, the glitter? How far is the impact felt? It's uh, enormous, and unfortunately, it's one of those things that, as consumers, we don't readily think about. So first is the impact on the local municipality. While I'm not overly familiar with uh, the way you guys finance waste management in Korea, over here, the municipalities pay for the cost of waste management. So when this material enters into the environment and it's treated as a contaminant, it's municipalities who ultimately fit that bill for trying to get this stuff out of the system. And then that's passed on to the consumer. The second is actually much more nefarious, this idea that glitter or micro-beaded plastics is entering our waterways and the environment. So even something as simple as washing your hands after you're done decorating the tree or taking the tree apart, and that fine particulate matter enters our water stream, the impact on aquatic and marine life is enormous and something that we haven't even been able to readily quantify given the scale of the issue. Yeah, it's one of those issues, again, where enough people have to do it and, and we don't necessarily think about those things as individuals what about the, exactly, yeah. the the more visible things like wrapping paper let's say someone listening now already has a load of wrapping paper and boxes packaging in their home is there any preferable way to deal with that so it actually depends on the wrapping paper so a lot of the stuff that has a shiny or glittery exterior cannot be recycled unfortunately you're actually better off just throwing that in the trash as opposed to attempting to recycle it 
However, if the wrapping paper is made of craft paper, which tends to be a very dull, uh, it would be readily recognized because it's actually probably the least attractive of all the wrapping papers, that can actually be readily recycled. And what we normally try to advocate for is reusable bags where possible uh, to simply cut down on the amount of wrapping paper waste. As for the tinsel, the garland, etc., throw it all in the trash bin. It doesn't belong in the recycling system. And next year, when we have the opportunity to do it all over again, you, I, I mean, I guess you still want people to feel like they can decorate their homes, but what would be the, the best choices to make? Uh, so as noted earlier, look for reusable alternatives. I, I don't think we're going to get away from the problem that garland and tinsel doesn't really have a recyclable substitute. So if you do choose to use those products, recognize that they'll probably be entering the trash. However, for things like our wrapping paper, once again, craft paper is a great alternative, reusable gift bags. And when possible, look at the bottom of a product to look for that recycling logo, which is an indication to the consumer that that item can be recycled. And the final point I'd like to make is that given the proliferation of online shopping, we now have tons of boxes from Amazon or or online retailers. All of those cardboard boxes can be recycled. Please take the time to disassemble them, put it in a corner, and come recycling day, put it out. One thing that we do here in this country, recycling pretty much is widely adhered to uh, because of the regulations we have in place. Uh, So I I would hope that people are doing that with their boxes anyway. But uh, good advice. Let's make Christmas more environmentally friendly. Um, We also have, I mean, a couple of other environmental issues that we wanted to talk to you about, like Beijing's ban on the import of plastic waste uh, from this year, prices of plastic waste plunging, uh, many Korean recycling firms halting the collection of plastic and foam waste, claiming it's no longer even profitable. Is this a, a major issue in your mind right now? It's probably the biggest issue facing the recycling or the waste management industry today. So Canada, America, pretty much every jurisdiction is encountering that issue. And it kind of speaks to the question of, is recycling worth it? And when we think about it strictly in economic terms, the answer is no. However, that's a very short or narrow-sighted perspective. Once we consider the environmental and social dimensions of recycling, it becomes a much more preferable solution. But if we leave everything to dollars and cents, very few things would get recycled. We recently saw the Philippines, actually, uh, in, in this news, we saw tons of garbage from South Korea reportedly being shipped to the Philippines. Obviously, people in this country are trying to uh, find alternatives. There have been some horrifying stories, toxic waste from this country making its way to the Philippines, uh, South Korea being forced to take back trash shipments. Would you have a particular message to us on that? I think you've actually touched upon a really important point, is that for most people, garbage or waste is out of sight, out of mind. But the reality is is that that waste needs to be managed somewhere, whether it be in our own country or in developing economies. And so just being aware that, you know what, just because you put this in your trash bin doesn't mean it disappears. We want to make sure that as both consumers and environmental advocates, that this material is being managed in an environmentally and socially responsible way. And really, in the case of exporting waste to developing economies, there needs to be legislative barriers that prevent that from happening. But one of the unfortunate things is, is that because we have very market-driven economies with respect to waste, if somebody's willing to take it from us, we're going to ship it to them. We introduce you as the co-investigator of the Waste Wiki Project. It's an open access project for data research and information related to Canada's waste management sector. Can you also just tell us a bit more about that project, the platform? 
ter- so the Waste Wiki specifically was really to bridge the gap between academia, industry, and the public government. It, to give you a really quick primer, in Canada, specifically in the province of Ontario, which is where I'm located, everything is in silos. So municipalities don't really work with academics, we don't really work with industry partners. But the truth is waste is a multi-sectoral issue that affects us all in different ways, but it affects us together. So the Waste Wiki hopes to bridge that gap between the two and kind of tell people to there's a mechanism in which we can use research to inform evidence-based decision-making. So many decisions are made based on political or emotional rationalizations, and that's not the way we should be developing policy. For me, personally, I can only speak for myself, we need to look at the hard data and let the data inform uh, what we end up doing. As someone who's you know, based there in Canada, could you tell us how the country's doing and, and what you think of these national measurements anyway because you you might look at some of the measurements about south korea as one of the top recyclers in the world and think oh south korea must be great but then we hear about that philippine story and you and you question it again kind of to your point canada's i guess very similar to south korea in that regard is that optically we're seen as a being a good environmental performer and the truth is the country has done some wonderful things with respect to waste management um ontario was the first province to actually have a blue box program and our recycling rates for printed paper and packaging residential waste is amongst the highest in the world. The reason why I make that qualifier of residential and printed paper and packaging is that for most of the other sectors, we do abysmally. And Canada is actually in the top three countries in the world that generates waste per capita. So even though we're doing some really great things in some areas, the truth is there's still a lot of room for improvement. And at the national level and also at the provincial level, circular economy and zero waste has kind of become the flavor of the month. And we're all fixated on achieving that goal. But the question is, nobody can really agree in terms of how we're supposed to reach that goal. So we've set a very ambitious target, um, but depending on who you ask, you're going to get different opinions because some of it might affect one sector industry particularly versus another. And so there's a lot of uh, personal dynamics involved in that process as well. So really, I think what's really important for me is this idea that we need to identify short-term or interim steps. Yes, it's good to have a long-term goal, but the truth is we need to figure out practical and pragmatic ways to achieve it, and a lot of that will come down to cost-benefit analysis. Not everything that can be recycled should be recycled, uh, and we really need to take a hard look at what we're putting in our blue bin. For what it's worth, Collins, the dictionary publisher, chose single use as its word of the year referring to disposable plastics that make their way into landfills and seas. Hopefully that's a sign of the awareness that will help with your work, Dr. Lacken. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity.